0: Hey there, your soon to be new favorite podcast, Equestrian Mastermind with Natalie Hummel, is brought to you by Ride IQ. Ride IQ is a mobile app with on demand audio lessons taught by top coaches in eventing, dressage, jumpers, rider fitness, sports psychology, and groundwork. And your host, Natalie Hummel, is one of Ride IQ's sports psychology coaches. And some of the riders in the workshop are Ride IQ coaches as well. John Holling is a Ride IQ coach, Sinead Halpin Maynard is a Ride IQ coach, and one of the other riders is a soon to be announced Ride IQ coach. That means that you can take lessons for any level with these coaches so that you have guidance while you ride. There's a two week totally free trial. You can go to ride IQ.com to get started and try it for yourself. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome to Equestrian Mastermind with Natalie Hummel. Equestrian Mastermind is a four part series that gives you an inside look into sports psychology workshops with top riders, Will Faudry, Tammy Smith, Sinead Maynard, and John Holling. The equestrian mastermind workshops build on one another and go deep to explore the four riders' experiences, beliefs, challenges, and goals. Throughout the course of the workshops, the riders gain understanding and tools to help them unlock the outcomes they're striving for. These are incredibly vulnerable and candid conversations, and we're so grateful to the riders who participated. They did so in hopes that their experiences can help others. In today's workshop, Natalie talks to the riders about the visions they have for their careers and what may be standing in the way of their success. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Hey everyone, it's Natalie and we have Sinead here and we're going to review and kind of introduce you guys to the series, this incredible series that we just wrapped and that you're going to get to listen to. We're going to dive into what the experience was and what you have forward to listening to. So, (laughs)
2: Sinead. Hi, Um, I'm really, really excited. Um, Yeah, I I think we just wanted to get together, you and I, and kind of explain to everybody what they were in for, because I think when this idea kind of came to fruition, we didn't even really know. Um, (laughs) I had been kind of thinking about a way to utilize our community a little bit more. And, you know, on my Google searches was um, kind of tapping into some ideas around peer support. And I came across... um, Sarah Blakely, an article Sarah Blakely wrote about these mastermind sessions, and so um I just thought it sounded like such a cool idea to within the community kind of instead of getting an expert from outside the community to come in and kind of show us how to you know manage our business or um you know learn to sit the trot <laughs> that we could tap into the resources here and so I had all these wild ideas, and I couldn't really conceptualize them. So I called you (laughs) and said, Natalie, I've got these kind of uh, ideas about using the community. Have you heard of this thing called a mastermind? And you were like, yes, (laughs) I'm in several of them. What would you like to know? Um, So I think that's where we started. And maybe you can kind of fill everybody in on technically what a mastermind is. I know this took a few different, you know, took a different shape to it, but why don't you explain a little bit the idea behind the mastermind sessions? Yeah, I mean, they. It, this, this mastermind
1: really did. And I think that is the beauty of masterminds is they all take on their own unique shape based off of the energy in the group and who shows up to the group. And who shows up to the group really does matter in a mastermind. I've been in several myself and I host several of them and the people and the way they show up. Is so key. Actually, one of them you have to apply to get into, and and the one that I host, and I ask, like, how are you going to contribute to the group? And how are you going to show up yourself? Because it's really important. But a mastermind is really, as you said, it's getting together, being led, you know, so having someone that holds the container, have someone that leads the container, but really it's about getting the collective intelligence. And about seeing what works, what doesn't work in the field, in real time, a short feedback loop and all coming together to move the needle towards a common goal. Not that you're all trying to get there together as a team, but that you all individually have a similar goal and you're using the collective intelligence for what worked, what didn't work. Mm
0: -hmm. And on a
1: deeper level, masterminds become this place where you can really be seen and see others and have this center point of connection, which is what we all need to grow and change and move the needle. And actually, as you were talking, I was noticing an important point that happened during the mastermind. It really isn't about getting more experts. It's about how do you become the expert in your own life and how do you use external supports to to help that instead of constantly looking outside yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think masterminds are a great way of connecting to your own internal authority, but using support to help grow that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that was, you know, my original um, thoughts on that were that sometimes in our industry, we, you know, we have this conversation all the time about like social media because sometimes what's put out there isn't always, you know, it's a version of the truth, but it's not always the truth. And you're looking around and you're thinking, is everybody really like Is this really happening in everybody else's life? And um, and then it's funny because then you tend to to put up a wall, right? There's not as many honest conversations. There aren't as many people connecting in a way that is authentic. And um, I just thought, how can we lift the veil on this a little bit? And and I've noticed through podcasts that I host. For um ride i q how almost everybody that's shown up has been so open and so authentic and so real it's been really moving, and I thought, you know is there a way to do that uh, with you know with a group of of my peers of people that are in the same industry doing the same thing um, and and see what what happens and it was you know and <laughs> And then can we do that live? (laughs) (laughs) Can we have everyone come
1: together and be vulnerable live? But I just got full body chills, as you said, then we, we have this perception of someone or something and how their life is going. And then that makes us feel vulnerable or whatever. And then we put up a wall and then we're all kind of connecting to this wall And we're not really getting anywhere. We're not actually Mm -hmm. deeply connecting. And so I love when you said that because I really feel we did not know the end goal. We did not know where this group was going to go. But I feel as if that is the the main goal that was accomplished Mm -hmm. is really letting go, letting down that guard and really seeing each other for where you are and it actually, you noticing that even when that protective veil is down, you even have more respect for the person.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, and it was wild because, you know, the first, once we chatted, you were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Um, Whatever this thing is. And then it was like, okay, well, who, who are, who are we going to pull on here? You know, is it going to be the same discipline, different disciplines, you know, blah, 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 blah. And what was wild was actually, you know, I did reach out to a few people I thought would be incredible. And I still do, but there, there. When it came to the part about it being recorded and being available for the public, there's a lot of kind of fear around it because nothing like this has really, in my experience, been done like this before. Um, and so I think, I think hopefully after listening to this one, uh, some of those first round sessions where they kind of came back and said, uh, maybe I'll wait until I see what this is all about. They'll come back in for our next one, but. Um, the, it was amazing because this group ended up so perfect. I mean, we have um John Holling, Tammy Smith, Will Fodry, and myself with you um leading it. And it was wild because we have four people all in the same industry, all you know, like these guys are are my friends, my heroes, like everything, but um very different. We all came to this a little the session a little bit differently, like some very open, some very guarded, some very skeptical, <laughs> some very just hopped up on what is going to happen. And um, and so I think the cool thing is that for our listeners is that I think somebody in this group, somebody in this mastermind is going to connect to the, our listeners in some way, you know, like that's kind of how people oh, show yeah. up. And so there's going to be a lot to to grab to grab from this session. It's really cool.
1: Absolutely, and I think everybody went on their own individual journey, and mm. we could have never even tried to uh manufacture the journey that everyone on, went on, including myself. I went on my own journey doing this, my own things coming up, and I think, like you said, everybody's gonna connect to someone in the group and resonate with where they are and how they show up and maybe see a different way,
2: yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. Well, we'll, we won't keep you guys too much longer. We'll let you get right into this and um, hope you are inspired and enjoy these, um, these mastermind sessions.
1: Yeah. Enjoy guys. In this episode, we come together as a group for the first time and I help the riders identify their vision for themselves in this sport, as well as what would stop them from getting there. They had so many good insights around what is blocking them from achieving their goal. And were able to see the shifts that need to happen to unlock their full potential. I cannot wait for you to hear this. And I invite you to do the visualization with us as you listen, because it'll bring up what's blocking you from your goals. The goal here is to visualize it and feel it and to notice where you feel uncomfortable because that is where the opportunity lies. Enjoy. Hi, guys, and welcome to the InStride Mastermind. For those of you listening, my name is Natalie Hummel, and I'm a transformational life coach who specializes in nervous system regulation. And I'm here with a couple incredible equestrians and athletes. And so I'm just going to let them introduce themselves and say their name and where they're coming from.
3: I'm uh, I'm Will Faudry. I'm coming from uh, North Carolina in Huffman, and I've had my farm here since 2008.
4: Nice, Thanks. Thanks, Will.
3: John? Uh, okay, next, I'm
4: John Holling. I am here in Ocala, Florida. Obviously, I'm an equestrian, but also I'm an NFL franchise owner of the Green Bay Packers. Uh,
2: uh, I did know that about you, John. That's not a fact mm-hmm. I, I didn't know, and that's why I'm friends with you. Yeah, I do. Hmm. <laughs> I am Sinead Halbin-Maynard. I am in Citra, Florida. And I have been full-time living in Florida since 2016 with my husband. And in the recent years, my two children and my dog, Ferdinand.
5: A bull. I'm Tammy Smith. I'm in Temecula, California. And I'm a grandma. Oh,
6: <laughs> I'm proud. I'm a proud grandma. <laughs> Beautiful.
1: So for those of you that don't know what a mastermind is all about, it's where a bunch of a couple of people get together with a shared vision or goal. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to get really clear on what everybody's goal and vision is and what it's going to take to get there and what's blocking us on an emotional nervous system and practical level. And the mastermind is just really supportive to help get past those blocks. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna go around and we're just gonna hear from each of you about. And I think it shouldn't really be time bound. I think when we put a time on things, our ego really likes to get involved. But so just completely untime bound. Like, what do you want in this life? Like, what do you want from this sport? If there were no fear involved, what would you claim that you wanted? And we'll just go around and and get clear. Some of you may have really clear ideas on what that would be, and some of you. That might be part of the block, so we'll just go ahead and start with that, getting really clear on our vision. so anyone called to go first?
3: Okay, won't we'll stay in the same order i uh i'm forty one years old. I have ridden them my whole life. I've had that access and availability of some of the best instruction and really top horses and I have I I there's no excuse why I shouldn't be doing better. And I recently in the last couple of years, uh, really got into the sports psychology side of it. Uh, and I am using a lot of what I do. And I and I can, if it was a test on paper, I could I would ace it, but actually putting it into work and leaving the emotions at the door and just being really focused to put the education that I've received and and the work that I put in, putting it to work. That's my goal.
1: Mm, beautiful. So what I hear is like you have all of the knowledge. You've been a part of some great instruction, the best available, and you've even been tackling the emotional and mindset level with the sports psychologist. And you so you have all the knowledge, and you're really looking for embodiment and and what that would be like if it was a living breathing thing within you and if you were going to get really clear like what would you want to create if you were able to embody everything all the knowledge and everything you've been able to accumulate over the years what would you want to create
3: if i strip back the layers and be real honest about it it would be being happy with what i do Mm -hmm. because i'm not i i feel very i'm very tough on myself and it's never good enough Mm -hmm. And, and I don't think that I also think that that's what makes me a, a, a competitor and, and has given me a career in the sport is you can always be better. One of my favorite movies is Whiplash and there's a line in there that says there are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. Mm -hmm. And I actually have that written and I, you can always do better. And so I, I also, and now at at an age and a time in my life where I've got a, like I said, 41 years old, I'm single. I, I've never, I've put 100% of my life into my career and the end of my career is a lot closer than the beginning <laughs> and what do I have to show for it? So it's it being happy with self-acceptance basically.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful, self-acceptance. And in my experience and working with people, accepting when we do get that, Self-acceptance when we aren't thinking something outer is gonna give us something inner. It's really paradoxical, but people do better because the attachment gets lower, they're freer, they're able to make mistakes, they're able to rebound from mistakes, not make it mean anything personally about them. And it actually frees them up to get way better results. So I love this. This is more of like an inner goal. It's more about acceptance and high involvement, low attachment, and working for fulfillment yeah yeah I, I i'm gonna ask one more because the ego loves to be big but if 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 that all if the inner work what would be outer what would it what would happen outer is there like a competition goal is there like a team goal
3: well there's always competition goal yeah i mean uh the outer goal would would be would be more success yeah like uh i have i get told all the time. I've got one of the nicest horses in the country and he's as hot as a fucking frying pan, but <laughs> I, I've got to do better. I got to figure out how to make it work. And so the outer goal would be to be better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> be better. To see results. Top start. To see results. Yeah. yeah. Top three finishes maybe. Yeah.
3: yeah. I, I get so sick of hearing, oh man, you were so good to keep that together. I don't wanna hear that anymore. I wanna come out of the rings be and hear that was fucking good. I love and it i don't wanna I don't wanna to be told how uh resilient I am anymore. I don't wanna to be told how oh, you did such a good job holding it together. I don't wanna fucking hold it together i wanna to, I wanna go and produce the result that I know I can do.
1: amazing, yeah. Have the outer show all the inner work that you've been doing. Go right.
3: Yeah, I got a, I got a whole, a long receipt from my therapist, so it's time to start killing it on the exercise.
1: Uh, all right, well, well, thanks, and I have a clear idea of what's going on, and I can already uh, see how some things can be supportive, but thanks so much, Will. Yep. Um, do we want to follow the same? John, you want to go?
4: Sure. This is awesome. Okay. Right. So, a little bit, I'm in a similar spot as well, I'd say. I'm 46, so I've got a few years on. will and in one aspect i'm actually very content and happy with where i'm at in my life like i feel like i've got a pretty good business set up here and in some ways i almost feel like maybe that's part of my problem as a competitor is i'm actually very at peace with where i'm at but at the same point i also know that at 46 years old and will send it best i think that i have more of my career behind me than ahead of me and i kind of struggle a little bit myself because when I got into this sport, unlike a lot of people growing up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I didn't even know really what eventing was I vented, but I didn't know just through my own ignorance, like what could be accomplished. So really my goal as a young 18 year old was to have a business set up where I could afford to compete an upper level horse, teach the lessons. And as I got exposed, that goal changed and morphed into trying to be successful at the top level of the sport. And so that sort of became my goal, and I feel as I look back on what I've done to this point, I'm pretty proud of all of it. But that said, I feel like at 46. If I don't fall off too many horses, which I did yesterday, if I don't fall off too many horses. I think I still have a good 10 years, maybe more, left to to ride at the top level. And I guess my goal. And I'm not sure this is. I might be going way off track now, Natalie. So if I am, yell at me. <laughs> As I come to sort of thinking about what I'm trying to achieve, my goal is to maximize that sort of next part of my career so that first and foremost, I'm as successful in my competitions as I can be and in producing these horses that I can be. Um, And also that I have a successful business behind it to be able to support it. Obviously, everybody wants to have. All the owners and i'm very fortunate that i do but also want to have a business that's set up well or continues to be set up well that i can can support those horses and their competition competitions going forward as well so that's that's kind of what i'm coming into this for is to, is to maximize the time that i have left which i think is still a fair amount of time but not sort of tread water it's sort of five years of forces to come along and i not been as successful at that as I should be.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what I hear is like it's kind of two things. It's like you wanna like you you keep using the word maximize. So your talent, your skill, your horses, the owners, and then also maximize your business, like knowing that uh, you might wanna retire someday you might wanna <laughs> you might have some other things, but maximizing your business and I get curious, and this is something we can talk about later, but I get curious if sometimes that feels like competing desires, and sometimes it feels like uh you can't have both, and then they both kind of or one or the other ends up suffering,
4: yeah, I mean, for sure it's part of the reason I ended up down here in Florida was that <clears throat> I had a business up in Wisconsin, but I couldn't be good enough there, so yeah. moved here and that has helped tremendously. But yeah, I mean, it's always, and, and that's probably not probably, that's certainly a big part of it is finding the balance between running a successful business and also having the time, the uh, ability to put it into the competition horses and understanding where is that line like, and I think it's different for everybody, right? Cause it all depends on one, one, your sort of your what what your life has been set up for, how much time you can put into those horses and what you have pulling on you in personal life or in your business life to take you away from it, And then also how much do those competition horses, while it really is super important to me and Will and Nate and Tammy, how much is that important to your business side of it as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think what you really are starting to unravel is a little bit of competing desires and a little bit and in- subconsciously a little bit like well if i do this one suffers or if i do this the other one suffers and which one am i deeply desiring which one is important and and upholding the responsibilities that you have to your family you your 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 have a kid you have a wife you have if things going on and so i think actually for you really t- and really taking a look at where these desires feel like they're competing and where it is that they actually have a similar value and can actually support one another. But I really hear that. And then if if you were, and you don't have to be, but if you were going to get really specific and you were going to kind of release some of these upper limits on what it was like to have a successful business and a successful competition career, like what would you want from your competition career? What, what would that be? What-
4: I mean, the, the, just the competition stuff by itself. I want to have, a group of top horses that are competing at the top of the horse and consistently be there But times in my career in the past. I've had that for spurts in five, to seven years, but then I always have a lull, which I'm hopefully coming out of right now and have a lull where then I'm not there. And so it's, trying to think, get there again and stay there quite honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So have some top finishes at the top with consistently.
4: Consistently, consistently being there. Like, I, I definitely made a choice a few years ago to try to be there only on the very, very best horses. And now I haven't been there. I'm like, well, shoot, actually just being there on some good horses would be nice. So it's try to find that line.
1: Find that line. Yeah. I think, I, like I said before, I actually think I already hear some just competing desires, which creates upper limits. It's actually, we end up fearing what we, what we want. Because we think the other thing will suffer, I think that's going to be super helpful. But yeah, this is great. I I really hear this, and thanks for sharing. Yeah.
2: I'm up. I think I, I I it's it's quite similar to John. I think I really have been out for what what honestly has probably been a couple of years now between having another kid and then some significant injuries, and then previous to that, just kind of probably treading water with some horses in some situations that weren't moving me in any direction. They were just kind of getting through the day. And so what I would really like to do is create a system and a, a, a systematic path to really get back to high performance. It's where I really thrive. Like it's re- re- like what kind of motivates me. I'm pretty motivated. I I do enjoy my Day to day life most of the time, but where it's really lacking is in enough horses to ride. Like that's where I I kind of feel like I'm spending hours of my day just kind of making that yeah, not moving in a direction where I want to be. And I think that I a couple of the things that I keep looking at as blocks really are, like right now are it it is horsepower, but I don't like the idea. Like when I was in my twenties, I just had this like unending belief that like it was just going to happen and magically horses were going to show up and i'm just going to meet the right person the right owners and this thing and whatever and you just keep working harder keep working harder keep working harder and all these things will happen and now that i'm just slightly older i'm 41 i recognize i actually want to create a sustainable system for these things i don't want to wait for um this magical thing to happen and and looking at that across the sport like the more i look at things like that's honestly some of the inspiration behind this mastermind is that like i i see so many excellent riders and great people not getting to the top whether that's inner Mm -hmm. or outer goals but there's we don't really have a great system or model to follow and a lot of the things that get said are like you need to work harder you need to want it more or this or that or whatever and I think those are parts of it like I do think that's part of it you, you really do have to show up with the, the right energy and the right ability to work hard but when I look at my life up until this point I've had kind of moments that have really felt like they've been getting momentum and I've had what on paper like kind of how Will says looks like success and, and and I've enjoyed like there has been success it's been real like wholehearted great experiences but it has felt not like i can't reproduce it like any mm-hmm. any time i get this idea that i'm like oh this is how it's going to work i'm going to try it this way it doesn't it doesn't take if that makes sense so i guess one of the goals would be to really look at a, a, a pathway to kind of consistently um get back operating on that that level it's really important to me and in the time that i've been down i feel like i've been working on Some hard skills and going back to some roots in my show jumping because I felt like that was a a weakness, and then some soft skills with learning a lot more about horse behavior, learning a lot more about human behavior, and things that I feel like can contribute when an opportunity shows up. But now I just want to feel like I'm not just waiting on opportunities. I want to kind of make something happen. And I need
1: all your help. (gasps) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we. (laughs) you guys would have to tell me but it seems like in other countries there is a bit more of a system of like Filtering, finding, getting—like you guys would have to tell me—I—I don't know. But is that where you're getting at? Is that there is a system somewhere we just haven't?
2: Well, I think that—I mean, it's—it's apples and oranges. I think that there are systems like there's certainly pathway systems in in the the way that the team training and things like that are set up from ponies up through the high performance level. But I don't think that going even to what John is talking about, I don't. I I would like to create a a business model that is supporting the high performance business model, like something that is, that is working, that's sustainable, <laughs> that you can create these things if that's what you choose to do. And like, I teach like crazy and teach tons of clinics and have, have some great owners and some syndicates together and that type of thing. But it, at some point, it's just such a high cost game that even you could teach eight hours a day and you still can't afford to own your own horse. Like it's, it's, it's really quite wild. So again looking at the business model because we everybody's in such a rat race all the time it feels like i mean i'm i i'm only speaking from my experience and the people close to me but it feels like everybody's so busy trying to uh survive that there's not an opportunity to like uh really grow a model that works and there's obviously other athletic sports that are very successful and and it's one thing to say well we don't have the sponsors, and we don't have this, and we don't have that. Well, we just don't have time to cultivate that. Yeah, and, and especially if you're working, if you're working really hard to just be like somebody said it on something the other day. Like we're we're all like CEOs of our own individual businesses, and that's where you're just busy keeping the thing afloat. And it and and maybe the whole model needs to grow, not change, but just grow, evolve. get we're a bit archaic in a lot of the things that we do, and it's not always sustainable. And I don't see it changing generation to generation. That's what I'm saying. It's not it's not changing as much as as from my perspective, but I am I would really be eager to hear everyone else's Yeah. I think that'll be great to hear everyone else's
1: practical advice on that. But what I hear is that you want to get really intentional with time and how, how you're allocating time. And yeah, you have to be the CEO, but you have to work in the business and on the business and uh designing systems that support that so that you can stay the The outer goal would be so that you can stay at the high performance level consistent mm-hmm. and so with us yeah. just in a business that supports that and like it's not waiting for luck or someone yeah. to come magically to a bend that'd be fine too but <laughs> yeah okay got it thanks mm-hmm.
5: I was just saying that this is quite intense it's great but I I would say that I have kind of a twofold thought process in in kind of my my future and my goals and where I want to be. I have this one section where I'm I'm kind of always helping the outside. I'm kind of trying to fight for the West Coast and our sport and create a kind of a equality within our country because it's it's very different when you are doing the sport outside of of that hub so i i have this that going on i have this responsibility to my owners who have I, I have a great group of support that have been there from the very beginning with me and i feel like i struggle that i'm not doing enough or I, i'm not like i'm not good enough or i, I haven't achieved the success that with the with their horses that i really think that they they deserve i have this kind of section for my daughter who is at the at the top of the sport trying to make it into the career and be successful and so i have an element of being there for her and being there better as her mother but also as her mentor even though that's very difficult because she doesn't always take my advice as being a mentor so that's a very difficult thing. And then, and then the real issue with, with me and has always been with me is that I'm always out helping everyone else and not focusing enough on myself and my own, my own, or or creating my own goals and my own vision and making it, I guess, almost being self selfish. Yeah. It's really hard for me. And I, that's a really hard thing for me to do not being able to hear very well is helpful <laughs> it helps me do that but joking but but real it's real but uh so i i feel like i'm more of a a scattered section of all there's there's all these really important things that i want to be better at and i it's overwhelming honestly i I want to be an example that you can be, you can have a family and a and be a mother and do this at the top sport. I want to be an example that you can do it from the West Coast. So I want to be an example that you can compete equally against a man. And I, I know that I don't ever want to say that that's a disadvantage because I do think women have an advantage in our sport, but also at the five star level, it is a disadvantage. I'm a big, strong girl, and I sometimes wish I was a man man. you're the strength the physical strength that's involved is different I want to so there's so many so many things just kind of and then I I feel like I've just now hit I started my career much later than everybody else I didn't have a financial means to be able to do this I honestly felt a little bit like Sinead like I had very unrealistic expectations. I kind of thought that I was just going to do it and I had no clue what I was thinking I was going to do. And so I think at some point I manifested that, but looking back now, I go, how, what if I knew now, what I, if I knew then what I knew now, there's no way I would have ever gotten to where I've gotten. And I, I've, I've had some success, but I feel like I'm so far, I have so much more to do. and and I'm 47, so from a physical standpoint, I'm doing pretty good. But I mean, as John said, you, I mean, how how far are you from not being able to do it? Because you don't bounce like you used to as a kid. So uh, it's it's welcome to my head. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, no, I
1: so I'm so glad that you spoke in the way that you did because I actually see. I can see how it can be really hard to uphold all these responsibilities that you feel like you have. And a lot of it is, and a lot of times when I work with people, they come in feeling really over-responsible, really over-responsible for their owners, to their parents that got them to that point, to uh, coaches, to all these different places that we uh, feel really, really over-responsible for. And that only adds to the... The pressure and the and the feeling of unsafe and like I got to keep up and it's never enough and so I feel like with you working on never being under responsible but not over and and knowing that like you you called it selfish which I can understand why you would use that word and maybe that word is the right word but it of course it has a negative connotation to it but mm-hmm. just holding what you want and not creating barriers free what you want from an over responsible way like your desires matter and actually when you go after your desires and you're successful like you said you it 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 inspires others and you're you can be inspiring in so many ways like west coast woman like didn't come from money doing it all that's a lot that's a lot to being inspired just from following your like selfish desires and and what i also hear in this is not only a little bit of over responsibility but a little bit in the John sense of c- competing desires, like do I want to be showing up for my daughter, or do I want to really be going full force in my own uh competition goals and that can make me feel competing and actually, when we just look at it consciously, which we can do throughout this whole experience, some of it isn't as competing as we think it is, but when it just lives somewhere in the subconscious, they it really blocks one from the other, but we can spend some time doing that, but what I hear is with what you want is you, you want the success at the top level. That is a desire. And you also want to be a great mentor and a great leader of the sport. Is that accurate or how would you? Yeah.
5: I mean, the, the competition with my daughter, that's not really like, it's not me not wanting to compete. So she can, that's, that's not, that's not it. It's just being able to be the Like it's very difficult. Can you imagine, like, riding with your mother every day? Like, how? I found it hard enough. (laughs) So it's so that that just that dynamic itself is very difficult. So so it's for me throughout the years. It's been an exercise for me to like take a minute and like, of course, because anybody who knows me knows that I just say what I think very often, and so I've had to really be conscious of that I don't just say exactly what I think because she takes it as being my daughter. So I've, what I I mean by being her mother, like there is an aspect of being her mother that's separate from being her coach and Mm -hmm. her mentor. And although I I wish that she had uh, a different coach, (laughs) there isn't, there's not really an option. So it's not like, Like John said, he was in Wisconsin. He moved to Florida because, or wherever he moved to, because he needed to be more surrounded. There's, it's a diluted, uh, it's very diluted out here. So it's not like I can go, go take a lesson from Leslie around the corner. So I, I'm having to be her coach. And then in addition, her mother, which is, that's, what's difficult.
1: But just the amount of like emotional resources to switch between two. Yeah. 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 Understood, got it, and then the and then so that's a really good kind of inner goal of like being able to navigate that, and then the outer would be yeah, competing at the top and and being successful thanks guys so much, so it's so it's amazing to be able to get like an inside view of what you guys are going through and and what kind of are the realistic things that are happening at the top of the sport for for riders so I hear your visions and I'm excited to to see how it come together. But okay, so we're going to transition and we're going to do a little bit of a visualization. And visualizations are so important, especially for athletes, but for anyone trying to meet an edge because we have these nervous systems that decide things aren't safe. And so the more we can visualize and the more we can uh, normalize the, the sensations in our bodies that come with it, the feelings that come with it, the more that they feel safe to our nervous systems and our nervous system stops blocking us from them. So we're gonna do a quick visualization and then we're gonna answer some questions after that. So wherever you are, you're, and we talked about this before, it's gonna gonna not be woo. It's gonna be really, really short. But if you're a listener, I really advise or would invite you to follow along. And use it for your own benefit. Use it to create a vision and visualization for what you're wanting to create in this horse world. So come along with us. So wherever you guys are, you guys can just close your eyes, listeners too, if you can, just closing your eyes. And we'll take just a few breaths here. Long and slow if you can in and out through the nose if you can. And then just taking a second to feel into your body.
6: And just noticing what's here. And just a few more breaths.
1: And now just imagining you're at the, the biggest competition of your life. And it's Sunday. And you're sitting in first. And just notice how that feels in your body, what that brings up.
6: And it's time to show jump.
1: And you're getting ready, putting on your boots, your coat, your helmet. You're feeling so clear, focused, and present.
6: And you get on,
1: and the warm-up is perfection. You can't miss. You feel so present and connected. Just taking a moment to feel into what that's like. And now it's time for your round. You're cantering into the ring. Quick salute. Cantering down to the first fence. You're feeling so present, riding every stride. And wow, perfection. Your horse is jumping beautifully. You're riding your best round. And you're cantering down to the last fence.
6: And you land. And the crowd goes wild. You've done it. You've just won. I'm just taking a few breaths
1: here to feel into what that's like. And flash forward. And you're now sitting across from your current self so the self that just won is sitting across from your current self and you're going to answer these questions for your current self how did it feel
6: to accomplish our goal
1: and let the you that just won answered and then what roadblocks did we have to overcome to get here last question what advice do you have for me with where i am right now so what would yourself that just won? what advice would they have for
6: you right now just taking a few seconds to hear the answers and then whenever that feels complete you can open your eyes and
1: we'll we'll talk about it okay so i'm just curious we're just going to start off with any insights and then i have a few more questions like specifically to help us kind of identify and maybe start to move past some of our blocks but i would love to know how that was for you guys we can start in the same in the same order but and then go organically but will do you have any insights or anything that came up for you in that experience?
3: The the word that just kept coming up was relief.
1: Really?
3: uh, like relief, and then like roadblocks. Uh, the I just life. <laughs> there's a lot of. Them. I mean, there's every day you get out of bed. So I I, I was surprised that like my body kind of went to relief. Yeah. And not, yeah. elation. Yeah. So that was interesting for me. And then when you said about what advice, the first thing that came into my head was keep going. And Mm -hmm. that's my, what I said at the very beginning. Why can't I, why can't I sit and enjoy that? It's like, all right, on to the next.
1: Oh, oh, like what advice? Like keep going. Yeah,
3: keep going. Great to the next life keeps rolling, doesn't yeah. t- t- stop, so like I don't know, so that was kind okay. of where where I went in that
1: That's so good, and actually it really helps me like i'm gonna I'm gonna give you an analogy and and we'll talk more about this later and give more feedback but so the ego is kind of like a balloon, okay and and it has a tiny little prick in the balloon, like a little tiny bit where air can get out. And if we're not constantly blowing, we're if we're operating from the ego, the, the mechanism of the ego, we have to keep blowing in it to keep it afloat, to keep the balloon inflated. And the second that we stop blowing in, it just gets deflated.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's part of you, and correct any of this if, if I'm wrong, but there's part of you that that takes all of it really personally. And it and it doesn't say like, oh, I failed, it says like I'm a failure. So when it just when you win, it doesn't say <laughs> it's like oh it's just relief it's not elation there's nothing there and the it just sounds to me like um the ego is what got you to where you you are which happens to most of us and it's now asking for like a different mechanism to take over so that you can actually enjoy it and have fulfillment when when you do win and not just like okay on to the next like keep blowing into the bloom keep blowing into the bloom and keep going yeah yeah and creating yeah. a nourishment barrier like your ego is like you can't you cannot feel good about yourself because then you'll stop and you won't do this so i'm going to keep you feeling miserable but really keep going
6: we'll yeah keep around cool challenge no. that's it a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm.
1: thanks well that was awesome thanks for sharing mm-hmm.
2: Hi everyone. I wanted to take this opportunity to give you some inside information on what makes Tota saddles different. This new Tota freedom jump line, which we were lucky enough to help design is contoured away from the shoulder and the shoulder muscle, not only to allow new freedom of movement, but it encourages a more uphill balance and an effortless comfort for the horse. The new balance puts the rider in harmony in a connected and powerful way. One more amazing perk of this saddle is that it has a metal tree meaning you can fit it to any horse you have now and any horse that enters your barn in the future. At Copperline, we pride ourselves in a progressive horse first approach. And when we met Charlie and learned that his TOTA comfort system was founded on an understanding of the horse's biomechanics, maximizing performance, and the total comfort of the horse, we knew we had to work with this team. Please check out the Dressage Connection or follow the TOTA comfort system on Facebook or Instagram. (laughs) Like many guests on this podcast, one of Tick and my main motivators is to reach our full potential in high-performance horse sports. Our belief and strategies are rooted in horse behavior and exploring what's possible in the human and horse relationship. This journey is not possible without our community. We are excited to announce a few seats at the main table, as well as an easy access point to Copperline Farm and horse ownership. Check out the Ace Syndicate and the Journey Syndicate at copperlineequestrian.com. Find out about the horses these syndicates own, the difference between A and B shares, and how you can experience horse sport as part of our team here at Copperline. And if you'd like to listen to InStride ad-free, please head on over and sign up to be a member at Ride IQ. And now, back to the podcast.
4: All right, so I guess that means I'm next. Okay, so I'm not sure if I remember the order here, but I guess the think the first thing was the word that came to mind was one biggest for me was Kentucky which the word was awesome like Uh it was incredible and the one thing which is a little off subject and stick with me because I'm not trying to be difficult here just doing that was so uncomfortable I felt ridiculous with my eyes closed and I thought my wife sitting back there but she's not Thank God, I mean, to be honest, it was embarrassing doing that, sitting there with my eyes closed, listening to that. But then when we got done, I realized, what just made me a shock to everybody. That's kind of been my whole problem in life. It was worse when I was in school. My biggest fear when I was in high school was speaking in public. I remember doing a speech class, we took public speaking class, freshman. Freshman year of high school, and I was terrible stumbling over words, words that I knew as I'm trying to read and not being able to. Um, and so I think the advice that I gave myself, which in a way seems weird, but for me, I think it is probably very good advice to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks and just do you believe in the program that you have, believe in the horses that you pick stick with the ones you want to get rid of the ones you don't and just believe in you and how you get there but that also makes me a little bit nervous because you're like okay so are you closing yourself off to advice hard criticism as to what you're doing not spreading water like i was talking about that that's those are the things that's sort of i believe my biggest roadblock with everything in my life is needing everybody's approval
1: wow this is so good and i think I think what you got from this is so incredible. And it's just like, listen to your internal guidance. You don't need so much outside validation and approval and praise. And actually it works paradoxically. It's like, when we go after it, we end up just staying somewhere in the middle instead of like, and that's why we do it. We don't want to have to take full responsibility and like do what we're, we're doing and then like completely be uh, embarrassed by it or com- to take the responsibility of the full success it's hard but i think what you just said is just so incredible and maybe now just right now it's just your time that you're finally feeling ready enough to not uh have to have the outside approval and validation and that you can actually do you from an authentic place and it's been my experience working with people and definitely in my own life when i've been able to be authentic it's when Things happen, and when I'm not being authentic, it's it's really hard to maintain and to keep going after what I think people want.
4: I have to be absolute nepotist again. That's just the thing that came to mind for me was just stop worrying about everybody else.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. So good. And just to say, it is embarrassing sitting here with our eyes closed. I mean, trust me. This whole time, I'm like. But I know that insights come from this and I know good things come from it, but trust me, it was a little uh, e and ick for me as well.
6: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, John. Uh, Sinead.
2: Yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting. And it, what is interesting is that I, John, I totally agree. And I've done this a few times with Natalie and like, literally I go through like waves of, I just get mad. I get embarrassed, and then I get mad, and I don't want to do it, and it's stupid, and then I, I almost quit part way through sorry <laughs> uh, but this time I was actually I felt kind of that feeling come in like this is, and I'm like, nope, not right now, and so I'm actually kind of proud that that does get a little better, still a little whatever, but I think the thing that that felt like for me is in the the first bit when you were talking about it Sunday morning and you're you're getting organized, like I felt like a tightness in my chest, like, oh my God, what if this all goes away and i don't win because that's definitely in real life happened (laughs) so it was interesting going through the process that the whole time i kind of had this little like stick uh of like first in the tack room when i was putting on my boots like kind of trying to tell myself to calm down and like enjoy this moment because right now you're still in the lead (laughs) so try and calm down a second and then going into the arena felt like what it was. And then actually the thing that was kind of cool is that after jumping the first fence and you said this is going well, this is going perfect. I actually kind of got this feeling of like this is almost fun. Like it actually kind of felt like this is it because you just imagine that horse just when you do when it does jump amazing and things are coming up and you just think like, oh, this is this is this is pretty cool. So there was a little bit of fun in there and a little bit of kind of switching it from something i'm not looking forward to to a, more of a, a challenge like maybe i can do this as opposed to like what if i can't mm-hmm. so that's kind better and then the um kind of advice i gave myself was something i didn't really want to hear <laughs> and i think it, it was just don't don't be in a hurry building this like um, it takes time, and if I'm staying true to the goal that I'm trying to create a system that makes it consistently that it takes time and it just reflected me back to when the when the dream originally started uh, when I was quite a bit younger, I was so desperate um mm-hmm. and in such a hurry, and I got there in a hurry and desperate and sporadically and in exactly the same energy in which I was going after it, and I have to like I just have to not do that this time wow Wow. chills
1: because so much of what you're saying so let me just reflect back when you once you realized (laughs) that it was going well you were able to be present and it was fun and so you like what it reflects back to you is like this is fun for you like when you're present it's fun and what's keeping you from presence is thinking one that it's not going well, right? So we're going to have to work on the, the non-attachment from that and also the time, like you just said. So it's like knowing and trusting that so that you can have the presence of, of allowing it to be and just enjoying it. I just, that's incredible. Really, really
5: cool insight. Yeah, I would agree with John. I was sitting here going, wow, we're just all sitting here on our phones with our eyes closed, breathing. <clears throat> but I will say that a few years ago, my good friend had had talked to me about meditation, and and I, I there is definitely a powerful thing behind that. So, but just visualizing and stopping and going through that whole process, I would say that knowing that like most most of the result is a little bit beyond your capabilities, and I at the top of the sport i i i do enjoy the that feeling like the adrenaline of it the 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 success of how the horses are going the improvement of them you no know, kind of what level and so visualizing that the course was going really well didn't actually give me ease it it made me feel like at any moment no matter if I continue to do great, it still could go wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, like no matter, no matter how great my horse is, no matter how well I ride, there's still an element of not being able to control the result. And so I guess knowing that I, knowing that I won, knowing that he or she jumped perfectly and it was, and, and I won felt almost like a relief, but almost like Was I really worthy of, of that? Mm -hmm. Like I have this kind of feeling like maybe because I'm kind of the outsider a little bit, like maybe I'm not worthy of that big win or because there's been, there's been several times that it should have happened. And there wasn't really any reason why it shouldn't have happened, except that life Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I have that exercise of visualizing that everything is going to go in the right way, but now I have this, this block of knowing that the universe just has its way of, of change, taking it away from you. So.
1: Yeah. And when you have, and, and I will just go off what you said, which is like, if we're going down the universe path, Sorry. But that if we have this misunderstanding that we're not worthy, we're given opportunities to up level that. And so that's something that you could really work with. And I think a lot of people come into this sport feeling they're unworthy if they have had a different path to the top or if it doesn't look like everyone else's. I think that the sport tends to breed that in all sports, all sports breed it. But I hear it a lot in this sport. And so I think with you really just feeling into the worth when there's an egoic worth and there's something even different than that, but understanding that you're there for a reason and that you've worked just as hard and that you deserve to be there, I think would be for sure number one. And then number two is being able to sit with life's inherent chaos. Like life is chaotic. There is aspects of it that we cannot control. And I work with like a lot of surfers as well. And that's also, there's so much factors and, and variability in that. And really what I've seen is getting used to and really not avoiding life's chaos and life's unpredictability is you're able to stay present even when things do happen. And that's all we can ask for is to just be present with what is not attached, high involvement pure present, without our brain going into story about what it means about who and what we are and taking us further from present. but so that was awesome thanks and i'm sorry guys if that was uncomfortable i just, <laughs> i totally get it uh it is uncomfortable but thanks for doing it and being here and i think visualizations have a big part uh to, like i said to get your nervous systems building that safety around it i think visualizations to a point uh, get in the way too if we overdo it, thinking every stride is going to be this way, the combination is going to ride exactly like this because that gets us more into story than presence. But I think in situations like this, when we're just trying to build that capacity to be a winner, to be comfortable, to build the worth to and to see what the blocks are, because it all brought up all of our blocks, even having to visualize winner would be. I think it's really helpful. So yeah. Thanks guys. Okay, so I just have a few more questions then that we can all kind of round table and I think we can be as organic as we want to be. But I think one of these things uh one of the questions that I wanted to ask which just brings more awareness around our block. So thinking into like the visualization and and everyone winning and and how that felt. It's like okay, knowing yourself, why why wouldn't you win? like knowing yourself what would take you out of the game either from the past or or just feeling into how you're how you're showing up now like what would be a part of why you don't actually win not good enough <clears throat> yeah like actually on a practical level like your yeah. just skill isn't there
3: yeah not good enough
1: yeah,
4: I don't know that I have a better answer than that. I mean, that's why you don't win because you're not good enough, or because the this is probably bigger picture. The management to keep yourself there isn't good enough.
1: Yeah, mm. the systems, the
4: the research. it takes a lot of time to be at that level and stay at that level to be a winner at that level. So, to be honest, if I have a flaw that would keep me from winning it i think that would be it
1: not being able to invest the time
4: not even invest the time to be good enough to keep the horses at the level long enough to win Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: if we get if just just to bring it even will you guys can go back on this like not good enough we're what are we talking about like like your, your skills, like you're just not actually talented enough or like you don't have certain skills. Like what is the not enough?
3: Yeah. Like, uh, not my, like I said, if if it was a test on paper, I could answer it, studied it for a long time. I know of the answers, but, uh, sometimes anybody that's ever seen me ride or helped me over the years, I, everybody tells me, you can put your fucking elbows in. And I like I've broken my left arm is not as long as my right arm because I've broke my elbow so many times and it's so not that that's an excuse, like deal with it, but yeah, I know, I know I need to do it, but actually doing like it. Am I not about I've been riding for how long and I still get told that I'm so tough on myself about it. So yeah, like not that I'm not skilled enough. I should, I could. What do they say? Those that can't do it go and judge. I am probably a pretty good judge.
1: <laughs> uh, and John, it feels like that as well. Like just the skill isn't there. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I'm also laughing because we're going to get a point five off of every mark next to it. Yeah. I think it's the, uh, like I like I said, I, I actually probably arrogantly think that the skill know it for will but for myself personally i think the skill is as good as and the, the skill itself maybe not the shortness of being at the level currently but the skill i think is is there it's for me if i just if i sent it earlier but i think that it the ability to ride well enough to manage the horses well enough to pick the horses out that are going to be strong enough to keep them going at the level consistently that's that's been my issue and that's the issue I, I have to keep working towards figuring on the day if I'm there and present and like Tammy was saying so many things have to go right. I think that part of it doesn't worry me near as much as the getting a horse there and keeping it there and doing the right things by the horse day after day so that you're there
3: year after year.
1: The program part. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So well at scale in your mind. And John, it's the program part.
3: Yeah. Uh
2: Uh-huh. Okay. Sinead. I think it is kind of probably but I I think it is the time accrued in that pressure space. Like i I'm not there enough. And I feel like having like pressure is good as long as it's like within it doesn't tip you to the other point. And I think at times I've been in high pressure situations. And I just, and it's been too much, too much pressure because I like basically one horse um, eat once a year in that big arena on that big stage. And then my nervous system or my reactions or my timing gets a little bit hijacked because it pushes my adrenaline past the point of good performance. Yeah. So like, it would feel like the thing that would get in the way is just me doing something stupid. <laughs> Because my body just, just uh, like reacts in a way that I did not tell it to <laughs> because the pressure has taken it too far. Whereas I like the, I li- I do enjoy, I'm like Tammy too, I do enjoy that, uh, the adrenaline part as long as I'm well prepped for it. Like as long as I've got enough horses going enough times and that's, when you see the guys that are just producing those results time and time and time again is that they're operating at the four and five star level on multiple horses and multiple pressure situations time and time and time again. So it's not that they're not feeling the pressure. The pressure just is probably, and I can't speak to it, it it's, they're, they're probably more comfortable with the uncomfortable, if that makes sense.
1: That's exactly it. And that's why I said to us, like in the beginning, no matter what edge it is, that you can build safety around an edge. The edge, your nervous system is the same nervous system that's going in wherever you're going. And they don't, it doesn't know the difference between visualization and reality. And it definitely doesn't know the difference between you're going to win in this pressure versus just an uncomfortability like pressure mm-hmm. is pressure uncomfort is discomfort to your nervous system so being able to work within your nervous system to one have it resource like you said in the past it was more of this like desperate sensation mm-hmm. and that's going to create some dysregulation and operating from a survival state which i think is really common and once you get that and you can really uh learn to navigate and regulate your nervous system then you add the pressure and their safety it's creates incredible performance. Yeah, and just so basically what I hear from you is just getting your system used to that and having a repeatable system of doing it.
6: Mhm. Yeah, so good. Tammy,
5: I I feel like I I feel like it's it's a reason why you wouldn't win or why if I pictured myself not winning is I've tried to just think of it as i try i try to stop and look at the variables like how was my horse feeling how is i feeling did i make a mistake i feel like now it's just a it's almost like the the just the odds a little bit like i don't mm-hmm. i don't feel like an inadequacy of why i didn't win i don't feel like i i i can reflect back and kind of go did i make a mistake did i did i maybe get too close to a jump or did I was my horse flat there was he not feeling well but I think sometimes it's just it's just it is what it is and you just you just go to the next one and so I don't I don't personally feel like I'm good enough and I don't personally feel like I would have missed something in my program I feel more that it's like a variable it's like Mm -hmm. I haven't probably been doing this long enough like when i look at tim price for example he's world number one and the guy couldn't stand a horse a couple of years ago like he's he's he is one of the best riders in the world of all time but he fell off like at every competition for like two years i mean it was it was significant to where you'd go why does tim fall off all the time and then now the guy can't not win. Now he now he he just shows up and he he's the winner even when it's not a winning performance. So I feel like that's a little bit like this universe thing that has its way with us. I I don't I I do think there's an element that you have to look within your program and yourself, but right now I feel like I I feel like all those things are in place and it's just a matter of time, maybe.
1: That's beautiful. And what I hear is like you're able to not take failures and setbacks personally. Like you're able to see the feedback and make adjustments accordingly. And I love that you brought up Tim Price, which who I don't like, I don't always follow the sport so closely, but I know. But what I've noticed just in sport in general and kind of what we were talking about earlier is like because we're, fa- we're actually afraid of failure and we're actually afraid of success and we're afraid what people will think of us when we fail and we're afraid of people, what well, people think of us when we succeed, we kind of stay in the, this like middle. And these people that are really successful in, in, across the board in life and sport, they're really willing to fail. They're really willing to fail over and over and over and over again and not take it personally and keep getting the feedback back and keep making the improvements and, and failing different and more epic each time. And and just getting the feedback on it and moving forward and yeah I hear what you're saying maybe or correct me if I'm wrong but what I'm hearing is what you're saying is like you need more time failing
5: okay. great great feeling that's amazing
1: okay so from here if we know and I think that this is a great time to open it up like you guys have kind of heard from each other we've gotten a lot of good insight on the the blocks. But it's like, OK, how can you support yourself knowing what you what would take you out of the game? And I think this is a great uh, place for you guys to all respond to each other. But knowing what would take you out of the game, like if you flip that into just saying like, OK, this is what I need now to get good at to win. What supports would you need? Like, what do you need? What uh, knowledge, what embodiment? Like, what do you need? What what's helped you guys in the past? What what insights can you guys share with each other? if anybody
5: wants i think for me learning how to know that in competition that that i have a responsibility and a job to do and not necessarily does that always reflect because we're dealing with two living beings and that the horses are they also have the same responsibility and knowing that even if my horse makes a mistake it's not a a direct failure of what i've done necessarily sometimes it is but sometimes I make my horse make a mistake but but sometimes they just make a mistake and knowing that that's okay and that I have I say this to my students like when you go in the ring remember you have your job to do and your horse has his job to do and if you have a rail you can't you can't reflect about you can't let that take you out of your out of your zone and out of your place of knowing where you like what your responsibility is you just have to keep doing your job and typically i feel like if you do that the horses typically perform better
1: yeah staying present with it not getting in second story allowing stakes yeah so good anyone else have anything or want to share with anyone their insights or Anything that's been helpful for them?
2: I think the thing I've written down a couple of times is the high involvement and low attachment. I think that's something that, because I've made mistakes before of being like, oh, I just need to train myself not to care. And that doesn't help. It doesn't make when it goes not well feel different. And so I like, I really, I really liked that and thinking about it and that, that. yeah and I think like the things that I need or the support that I need is whether it's on this call or the next call or moving forward is help from the the room on how how to kind of map this out and I don't know if that's kind of what we're going to get to towards the end of the call but I just yeah I think even just kind of talking about it has really helped me and now I feel a little bit like I'm probably going to have a emotional hangover after this (laughs) but kind of having some some support around uh how to how to kind of build this out a little bit
1: yeah the structures of what keeps creating mm-hmm. yeah
4: Joe. as much as I said Mike I worry about the program and worry about sort of making sure I'm doing all the right things across the t's and dotting the i's I think it's also having the confidence to just say I, yeah this is how you get there I know how to get there I've been there before and I just have to stick with it and and make it happen and I think as well, I'm a big believer in when you're not sure, putting out there that you are and not letting, even if, and, and you'll probably tell me this is incredibly unhealthy. Even when things are going wrong and on the inside you're dying, on the outside, put out a an image of I've got this, everything will be okay. And I say that because I see people...
6: When you ask them, I I wrote, let me take this back even further. My father-in-law would always ask you how
4: you're doing. If I ever answered anything other than great, he would say, John, when people ask you how you're doing, they don't really want to know. They want to hear that you're doing great. And that's possibly a terrible thing to say, but it actually was a brilliant thing for him to say to me, because what it said to me was (coughs) the image that you put out even if you're faking it a bit for me anyway it's what i start to feel if mm-hmm. i'm if i'm putting out that i'm depressed things are going wrong and the yeah. horses aren't going well this isn't going well and i start to feel that if things are going terrible for me one of the first things you're going to see unless it's really gone crap one of the first things you're going to see is things are great when i'm stressed at work in the barn the people are like how's it going my answer and the girls are actually going to make a t-shirt is super duper. Everything's going great because I got to lie to you. So then I start to believe it.
1: Yeah, no, I think there is a lot, there's a lot of rhetoric around that and a lot of truth, like fake it till you make it, being the energetic of what you want to be, all of these things. And I think it's helpful for sure, especially if it's helping you, like if it's helping you actually feel that way, then you're accomplishing what you want. And the only thing I would, I would add, if you want to try or as an invitation is, actually, we have such a huge capacity. We have these nervous systems that can feel any emotion. And the only thing that's blocking us from presence and okayness is the resistance to the emotion. And so, and it's a skill. It's a it's a skill that I had to develop. And it's a skill that I watch people develop. But instead of like, oh, negative thing over here, or like, oh, I'm going to avoid that feeling or whatever. It's like, oh, here's that. It's just energy. I can feel it. And then you arrive back at present. And from present, what to do? Like you are an expert in this. Like you you have the skill. You have the training. The only thing that's keeping you from performing, or anyone, any athlete or any person from performing is getting in the story of the thing instead of actually being present with the thing. And especially when you guys are all at your level.
4: Sure. sure. I think unless I'm on a podcast with Sinead, I publicly always put out everything is I, I try to always put out everything is great. But as my wife says, if you're really upset and you're going to break down, that's what tack rooms and your horse trail are for. But no, I, I have those moments. I just try to have them in private and jump <laughs> out publicly and put out everything's great. Super duper.
2: Yeah, um, I was um, listening to a podcast and it was really interesting and it kind of switched a, a habit that because I would be similar, like I'm not going to... I I try and be authentic enough, but anyway, what it, what this guy was doing is he just, he just would say, what would a person, like, what would, what would a person that was a successful gold medal winning event rider, what would they do right now? And then do that. Like, so that it doesn't have to be like, like, again, I'll get into a situation where I I don't want to go for a run or I, or I like really want to eat something unhealthy or whatever. And like, what would a healthy person do? And then I just make that decision. And it has been really, and in this podcast, it was interesting because he just said, "You just you're just putting a vote that you'll eventually embody or become that type of person." Because, like, and and for for me, in certain situations, I like in those ones where things are going like completely like shitty or not great or whatever, I would say, like, what would how would a professional handle this? Like, how can and 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 try and put a vote towards being <laughs> that type of person? And that has been super helpful when I and it it has helped me kind of connect to the type of person that I want to be even if I'm not feeling that like I'm that person yet I'm putting a vote or a penny in the jar to start being that person does that make sense absolutely yeah and you're quite literally
1: creating the neural networks in your brain to to be that person to be like yeah that's what I was thinking about neural networks <laughs> well when your brain gets to that point it's like oh we can go right instead of going left and getting defeated and it's like no no no. we can stay present with this we can we can have option we can have choice here
3: tammy knows is probably the best of anyone on this call i need like when i get nervous or i i need physical touch and uh affirmation like at badminton this year i was so or last year i was so nervous before the (laughs) crop country i like walked up I was about to get on. I walk up to Max Corcoran and I'm like, can I do this? And she was like, yeah, go. And then like I'm walking around the Starbucks and I look at Bobby Castello, and I said, I don't want to go. And he was like, well, I'm down. I was like, I really don't want to go. I don't want to go. And he like grabs the horse and sticks it in the Starbucks and then I'm fine. But Mm -hmm. I have to, I I have, I ask those questions. I I have such self-doubt. And so I need that affirmation and I need Hand me to hold my hand when I'm walking to the dressage range. That's I'm, why you know,
5: Mason doesn't like dressage because you hold his hand too much. I know.
3: I know. We're getting better <laughs> at it. But yeah, so that that's my what I look to, and if I don't get it, then I start to panic.
1: Let's put out an ad for someone to be. I'm sure you hand lots of hits <laughs> back about who would want to be your emotional support. That yeah touch. yeah you you could take your pick i'm sure but yeah this is actually like, really common like i can explain this uh we're biologically wired for connection like we prefer to co-regulate when you're yeah. at the biggest thing in your life and there's all this pressure in your nervous system like oh my gosh uh it's best to have someone there that's like totally regulated totally okay which we actually tend to get because we're around grooms that are like This is the biggest competition of my life and I want my horse to be okay. Right. Spouses and parents and whatever else that are like, don't die. And we actually need someone there that's like, like, you got it. You can do this. And and I
4: will don't ever go to Bruce Davidson for that. Cause I just was thinking I went to Burley and Saturday morning was so scared and I went up to Bruce in the canteen thing, the food booth, to be like, this is gonna be okay, right? Bruce looked at me and was like, Oh. Is this is the biggest, scariest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't think it's jumpable. And I was like, I got to get away from you and ran. <laughs> oh, sorry to interrupt, but that just made me think of it. No.
5: <laughs> the, the generation of the mind fucking. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I think,
4: honestly, I think that's how Bruce Down, like, that was his coping mechanism was this terrifying. Mm-hmm. And then he went out and he jumped around, double clear around
3: And I did not. The faster you go, the sooner it's over with and and it is for me it is it is key people it's not just random people it's people who I deeply admire and respect and i I'm such a uh a people pleaser by nature but i'm so are you still gonna like me if I fuck this up? Are you still gonna be my friend and so i get I get very insecure that way and why else would somebody want to you know be in my life or be come and watch if i don't produce a result so i get very uh uh insecure in that sense
1: wow That thing think yeah a lot there and i i think that over time will like you can be that person for yourself that you respect like just start... yeah
3: people I, i've paid a lot of money for people to tell me that and i'm still looking <laughs> for that person
1: but, uh Yeah, well, just from this meeting with you, and even like the the slight text messages that we've had, I'm incredibly respectful and like respectable and incredible. Show up so well to things, and if you show up as well as you get to this podcast, as to yourself or to your life, I think you can do incredible things. Like you're, and you're one thing that I'll just leave everyone with, like you're. We, we buy into this misunderstanding and I know I bought into it and you guys can, the rest of you guys can tell me if you, but like, we have to earn our worth, that we have to do something. And the more I thought I had to earn my worth, the less authentic I got and the more insecure I got and really the less worthy I was. I wasn't, I wasn't incredibly valuable at anything when I was chasing that. And it only was until I was able to uh, turn that around yeah and really rely on me and not feel insecure was did I have things of value, and could i could I add but I think for you, well,
6: you just have to recognize it, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, easier said than done
1: <laughs> yeah, beautiful, okay, so from here, knowing kind of the block, kind of having some awareness on the block, knowing the vision. Uh what are what is the most intelligent next step like what could what could you set into motion what could you commit to that would help you support yourself with these blocks uh, and then get closer to the vision or the goal
5: isn't that what you are supposed to tell us <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i could <laughs> you <guys love> that? <laughs> what of... aren't you the expert <laughs> Whew. far from it <laughs> I I don't play the movie at all. I definitely have expertise in nervous system and emotional stuff. And so if <laughs> you guys want feedback on that, I could could definitely get it. Or if you guys want practical advice uh from your peers, you guys can ask for it. But uh we could start and you guys can ask for who you want. If you want feedback from me or from your peers and then set a next step, I think that would be a great way of going.
3: I kinda like I feel like I mean I've gotten a lot of feedback just listening to it, just in this conversation. I think like looking at the next steps and and kind of where to go next.
1: Yeah. Okay, great. So we can start then, Will, like for for you, like thinking and knowing that okay. Things that would take you out of the game are a lack of this co-regulation or a lack of feeling enough or kind of embodiment it's like what what do you think the most intelligent next step would be for you
3: i t- keep doing keep doing it and try different things i I have kind of gone out of my comfort zone this year competition wise and different things that I'm doing and trying, so keep doing it yeah that- <laughs>
5: I think just thinking about that well with your like you said your your kind of anxiety level going in in your competitions like for me like is there anything that you've tried so far that has already helped you feel that like feel like an ease and a relaxation and a peace like have you even achieved that yet like even like practicing. Because if, to me, if you don't have that, that fixed or that not fixed, but if you don't have a system in which you find a level of comfort or relaxation or like in the zone, if you don't, if you don't have that already established, then you can't really establish it when you put yourself into a high stress situation. So, for me, I used to think that meditation was so like tree hugger, like very uh, hippie, like what is meditating doing? And then I would, I would, my friend Frankie actually made me meditate and I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. And then as I researched, because I have, things have to make sense to me. So then I researched what meditation was and then I started studying what meditation actually is for and then that made sense to me and then i realized that meditation doesn't work unless you do it on a regular basis so that you then create a like like she was saying your nervous system you have to be able to establish a place where you're gaining that relaxation and peace so that when you get into a stressful situation, you then create the same, like breathing exercise, for instance, like, say, breathing in for five seconds, holding it for five seconds and breathing out for five seconds. If you practice that and then you teach yourself to be relaxed in that moment, then when something high stress comes in and you pra- and you do that, then your, your nervous system actually reacts and puts you in a state of being in the zone. If that right. makes sense, so yeah. that's what I guess. Have you have you established that yet to know yes. how to get yourself into the zone? Leave the
3: start box, like that's my the only What time. was that? Leave the start. Go go down center line. Just play the hand I'm dealt. That. So I I need to be better about meditating. I've had everybody and their everybody tell me that. Um.
1: I've
5: been saying it for like two years.
3: I know.
1: Well, I can help you that if you don't like meditation, I can I can send you some things that don't involve meditating that give you the same result. Actually, it's something if you guys are interested, we could talk about in the next session, and just have and having these things like Tammy's saying because what Tammy's saying is exactly right. Like you have to have a structure that you can reliably and consistently recreate over and over, and it's like oh i'm I'm getting above the level I'm giving above capacity. Here's what I do, and uh, that's something that I think would serve you so so well and I think uh, yeah, and I think meditation is is great, and I think if it doesn't
2: work, I can help you with some other
3: cool. I would love love that stuff, yeah can
2: awesome. I just like uh something I was just thinking about will was and I've had to deal with this a lot is like we in some of the, the research I've been doing on my own, like as humans, like we are super built for short, quick stress and not chronic stress. And it sounds like most of the time, even in your daily, looking at the trees, I'm feeling not stressful in your, even your daily <laughs> work in your daily life and your daily stuff is that if you're like chronically in that high stress, all the time then when you get into the competition you're just that capacity like you just can't there's nothing there's not that room left and like for me that's where I have to find so many times because I kind of live that way in every aspect and I have to find so many different things and it's like 10 different things that I can do to just get myself like not uh it's not even relaxed like because sometimes I like I can't relax because I'm like I'm gonna die (laughs) like uh, like I genuinely feel like if I relax that's it and the world will stop turning so it's more like that I have to get to a place where I feel like I'm just like like Natalie said like like present just aware in a moment and and it even if it's something as stupid as like just like noticing a tree really like just calming down and being like there it is see I feel so present and relaxed and uh But but like we are just not wired for and and I think that's on a bigger picture why there's so many issues. So many people have so many issues now, even health wise and stress wise. And we just bring it on because we're in such a chronic state of stress all the time. And then for us, then we're in athletics and we're putting ourselves into pressure situations and we're already at complete capacity. And then something triggers us and you get really that anxiety. Thing. And I'm just speaking to that because I am that. But trying to find ways to calm it down. And sorry, Sinead, sorry to interrupt you. But yeah, just to say what happens is like you actually get stuck in one of those survival
1: states. You get stuck in one of the stress responses. And that's how most of us are are living. And then add stress, a pressure, competition, or even if you're not an athlete, life. Uh, and then we're completely beyond capacity. So yeah, learning how to regulate your nervous system kind of doing things in lifestyle things that don't involve meditation. Like I don't, I, that because doesn't work for everyone and really help resource your your nervous system. And then you can do things that like you can play with it. You can play right. with nervous system stuff and like add pressure and create it and learn how to regulate it and create safety around it. Because that's all your your nervous system is just looking for what like Max gave you. Like you're okay, you can do this. Your nervous system is looking for that at all times you can create it. You can find systems to create it. So I think that is a beautiful next step for you. Well, creating, looking at how to create and navigate your nervous system, your nervous system states and kind of, uh, reliably know how to navigate it. Uh, John, do you have anything that comes to mind for like a next step for you?
4: I got nothing. I don't know. i feel like 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 Will was saying, just sitting here listening to me talk, it actually, in one way, is great because you go, oh wow, I didn't realize that I wasn't alone in all of these issues. Like I see Tammy as being the most confident, tough, cold person, competitive wise, not cold as <laughs> I mean, but as a competitor in the world. And so to sit here and have like great conversations about it is is actually super helpful. So again, I think for me, it just comes down to probably. Not getting so stressed about what everybody else is thinking, and in a way, being able to say to people, Nope, I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to do that for you.
1: And, Don, I would just say, like, the only reason why we ever care about what people think is because we are wired for connection. And so, when mm-hmm. and don't do what you have when you kind of are like going to do you, which means sometimes we're going to leave connection, not always and not permanently. your nervous system might have a reaction and just like understanding that it's just looking for you to to be the max to be like hey you're okay like you can do you go for it it's just looking for that reassurance so i think that's incredible we'll see
2: how it goes but just to to say something to john real quick i um i was in wellington a couple weeks ago and i actually stopped by and saw you guys remember jules stiller so I hadn't seen her in years and years and I went over to chat with her and she said something really interesting to me that I don't know why it helped me so much but we were just talking about she she said look I I have ridden with the best of the best I've based with the best of the best I've had the best horses this that and whatever and basically and I said well what did what did you learn like what did what was the big takeaway from all these people that you've worked with because a lot of them have very very different systems and and she was really cool she said the thing is that." I think you have a lot of bandwidth or a lot of, there's a lot of range of systems. And so you can kind of run with your own. But the one thing that everybody I saw, whether it was like, Mark Todd or Nicholson or whatever is that everybody just was really confident in their system that they thought there's almost arrogant they thought their system was the best system it, and they're always working to improve it and whatnot and but she said all the systems were different, like everything was different, so she said there's a lot of range for systems and different ways to get to the top, but the thing is that you've just got to believe in your system and believe that it's the best system. she said that's what she saw, and I thought that that was really cool because I take a lot of lessons and Look at a lot of different people's systems, and I'm like, oh, I need to be more like that, or this person's successful, and they're like that. And then I thought, actually, like I, I have the ability to take in a little bit from everybody, but I've got to believe in my system. And and for some reason, that really it really helped me. So I think you have a great system, John. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not gonna take it. But uh, I think for like next steps. For me, I think I agree with kind of what's been said so far. It's just been really helpful kind of chatting with everybody and kind of feeling that we're all kind of on the same boat and then um I guess i, I actually would like a little feedback <laughs> from from you guys about like next steps because the things well, I could really like resonate with you at the beginning when you're like, I don't want anybody else to tell me like good job at being resilient or good job at keeping that together like i the amount of times lately people are like, oh, you still ride? That's nice. <laughs> like, I didn't know that was a thing. And uh, like, or even this weekend at the horse show, I'm like, oh, cool. I didn't know you were still doing this. And I did, and I even did a, a podcast with, who was it? I had I, Piggy French. And at the end of it, she asked like if I still rode and any of that stuff. And it's like, it like kills me so much because I still have such, such aspirations. And I just feel like I'm here and want to get over here and need the steps in between.
4: And this is, I'm telling it to myself as well, but it is totally true and it's so much easier to say to you because I feel like I'm in the same place. Don't worry about what they think because as soon as you show up to an event and beat them or compete with them, They will remember you and they will fear you. Venting and horse. I mean it though, like, especially, I think it's probably all sports, but especially in horse sports, because we have the animal that has to be there with you. You can be at the top of your game at home and nobody knows it because you don't have the horse to be there. And I've seen you ride and seen you compete, and you are, like, I was trying to say, I was trying to compliment Tammy, but you're the same way. You're cold. You are a cold, tough competitor. And people in this sport probably all sports but in this sport have very short memories so like i think back of courses that i've had and i'm sure you guys are all the same where you have one that's an incredible show jumper and then everybody says to you wow oh, you're such a good show jumper and then what? Well, but maybe it's tough on the flat but why are you actually better on the flat or really you have great. one that's really brave and it's great cross country and it always jumps clear but it always has a couple down in the show jumping and so then through that period of your career they're like oh well you're so brave cross country, but you need to be more accurate and better in the show jumping. Everybody's judging you based on what you're doing right at this exact moment. Mm. But yeah, they're going to say that to you like, well, are you still riding? Because they see that you have a new kid and you've had two children. You haven't been out at the level that you want to be right now because you, for oh. whatever reason, because of lights and what you've had in your barn, maybe you're just not at that bullet right now, but I promise you, as soon as you have that, I watched your horse, by the way, it's amazing, and you did beat me, and I still have to give you dinner. Uh, <laughs> as soon as that horse is at the level, they're not going to even think about that you have this little break here. They're just going to go, oh, God, here comes Sinead on the horse, and she's going to beat me again.
1: Thanks, John.
6: You needed that pep talk?
5: <laughs> I do. I I will say, like, because I've been able to be on both coasts, like, it is a very different vibe and a very different atmosphere and feel when you're on the East coast. It's, it, I think a a healthy way to you almost, and I, and I look at if I, if I looked at any rider at the top level, being able to do this out there the best, I think Will Coleman is a very good example of just being very in his own world. And I feel like like it's easy for me to do that from home here in California because because I think it is so spread out even in Temecula we ha- it is a horse community it's very similar we, we might not have the the numbers but there's like lots of reining and and reining cow horses and and show jumping and dressage and more so than just eventing but even in Temecula like we have 10 to 15 event trainers in Temecula so but even with that many I never leave my barn and see a horse person Will where Will lives it's it's a similar situation like he leaves uh cloud 11 and boy is it but you go into town and you don't like see horse people yeah so I think I think from just, like, listening to this, John and Sinead, like, you guys are, you guys have no escape. Like, you have no escape ever. Like, you're on your farms, you're, you're, it's very incestuous there, even if you don't want it to be. And I think if we could all, like, adopt a little bit of what Will Coleman does, where he's just, like, off the face of the earth. Like, you don't even ever know where he's at. And then all of a sudden he, you see him when he's very to himself. I mean, not everybody can handle that, but I think that there's an element of, of being healthy in that environment. And I think that's why I like being home, not only because of my family and I love where I live, but, but also it's very, it's very, it's very mentally nice. Like just being out of that that rat race almost if that makes sense even though i kind of like doing it i like getting out of it too it helps me get away from it all
1: Mm -hmm. what i hear from that is yeah it's like perspective Mm -hmm. tammy is that right like just like getting a bit of perspective like going doing your job yeah yeah
5: yeah but but when when i'm in florida it's almost like if I were to go, like the first time I went to New York City, I got there and I was like, I gotta get the hell out of here. <laughs> it was so overwhelming. There was so much like noise and outside influence. And like we literally went to Central Park. I was like, can we just go somewhere where it's freaking loud? I feel a little bit like that when I'm on the East Coast. And and that's Maybe just for me, but I would say being in that day in and day out, I mean, you can't drive down the road without seeing somebody you know. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. And it's not just in Florida. Pennsylvania is the same way. Pennsylvania is more low-key, but it's the same way. It, to me, I think that's, that's got to be hard to be in that environment every single moment all the time. No, I just think that there's got to be an exercise that you can kind of like bring yourself into your own space to where all the mm-hmm. outside is, is not there because it's not easy to do there. So.
4: No, I was just going to say that's great advice. And I, I actually, I do struggle with that. My like gen will tell you, I'd struggle to even like go out with people this time of year and like do social things always find an excuse not to I have my own public grocery store that nobody else goes to do the gym not because i'm like healthy because i eat terribly but because it's something different to do i am uh, very much aware of that and i still struggle with it down here because it is especially in the winter it is just uh, bananas
6: yeah
1: yeah shanade that reminds me of a conversation that you and i have had a lot about all of these things take resources like speak, and then when you're when we are trying to compete and we are trying to go after big goals, like I mean social things also can resource, but obviously, what we're talking about is like <clears throat> everything plays into either taking or giving your resources and being aware of what gives and what takes and what replenishes, and yeah, I think that's the and i I think it also helps yeah with perspective and being in your own energy and being able to listen like kind of what john's been talking about like just being able to listen to your own internal guidance like what's right for me trusting it doing it getting the feedback making adjustments and then if there is a necessary part like support like get it and then again but you always using your own internal guidance to just shift it through but i love what john said to you about like everybody's attention span and stuff it's just even more proof like well this is for you too it's like it doesn't matter what what anyone outer thinks it's really what we believe about ourselves and our relationship with ourselves and how we're showing up for ourselves and what we're giving ourselves but yeah i love that pep talk from john i feel like we all need one of those oh so good
2: Shay, do you feel
1: good or do you want more
2: feet? Yeah, no, I think that, that's really helpful. I think like I just wrote down in kind of my action item list, like I need to kind of like the resources part of it and making sure that I kind of find things like Tammy's talking about and John's talking about outside of the horses to kind of fill it back up so that the time where I am with the horses or trying to build some new systems around something, I'm not halfway there, but I'm not tired. That's exactly right. Oh, God. And if someone could get Violet to sleep through the night, that would help too.
1: (laughs) All right, Tammy, let's let's move on. What do you, you want feedback, support? What are you feeling into for intelligent next steps for
5: you? I don't know. I think it, I think I've, I just listening to everybody makes it, makes you feel like you get a different perspective. I think John was saying, like, it's really, it's really, I think I felt uncomfortable Doing this because I've felt like nobody else is going to feel the same as I feel, and also like we create this persona, like where where we have this. It's almost like an alter ego, almost like like he's like, oh, you're just this hardcore competitor. Which I have had to learn how to do that. Like I used to be, I used to be a freaking hot mess, <laughs> but it's taken me a long time to be able to create that that person to where i can almost become somebody different when i put my foot in the stirrup and i think life experiences has been able to help me like very extreme things that i had to go i absolutely can't be part of that right now because i have a job to do i i think those Nobody wants to learn how to do that by experiencing bad things, but inadvertently helped me learn how to do that. So I feel like as a competitor, I've been able to figure out how to do that. But I think overall, I mean, I already feel like more centered since our call. Like when we first got on the call, like I didn't get home till 2 a.m. And then I'm like, what the heck am I doing? I'm, I'm not cut out to do this, 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 uh, group. Whatever it is no- nobody wants to like hear my advice, so but I was very scattered, like in my thoughts, and I feel really really solid and honed in, and maybe just talking about it made me feel that way. I don't know, but i don't I don't know, I don't know what next steps are. I think that this is just a great i think it's a great exercise to be able to experience what what we're doing right now is is i think really important i think I don't know i'm I think the biggest struggle I have. Within me right now, individually, is is it is it is hard not being in the mix. Like I watched the the eventing showcase this weekend, and and I was like, "Ah, I want to be there. And then I watched it, and I was like, No, just kidding, I don't. (laughs) But but I still wanted to be within in the mix. That's that's a hard thing to not be in the middle of it all. That's I'm very outside and very far away. So that's a that's a thing that's hard to to be like for you guys, you're all within that and you're in it all the time. I'm almost mine is my stimulant is almost the opposite. Like I don't have I'm not in that. So true having to create that, I think to keep me sharp is, you know a, a struggle that I have a bit but also not having people think that I'm just some hardcore bitch because I'm telling you to move in That's hard because what was that?
3: That I keep telling you to move in with me. You stay in
5: I mean, I think it's a it, that's an important like I want to be a a role model to people, but I also like people do have like a Uh, like an opinion of who I am that's like so not even accurate like it's really interesting that and that's hard that's like like John's like oh I I want to be like Tammy she doesn't care what people think I I do I don't care what people think in a in a manner in which I'm I'm not going to say something and what I believe in like if I believe in something I don't think oh this person is going to Be upset because I said it, but I one hundred percent care what people think about me. And like they, the people they compare me to, they're like, "Oh, you're like so and so," and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm nothing like that person. So, it's that's a thing that I struggle a little, a little bit with. Like you don't, you necessarily don't want to. That's hard, especially when you're in the in the spotlight and people, like it feels like you're constantly being judged and you're. And your, your just normal personality is a little bit outside the box. Like they know if, if they ask me something, I'm just going to exactly say what I think. And so, but I don't want, it's not from a genuine, not being genuine or a caring, thoughtful person, but a lot of people think I'm just like, a smoke right over the top of them, you know? So I struggle with that a, a bit in our sport.
1: Yeah well I'm so glad you're here because I feel like how you've shown up today is like incredibly supportive and incredibly like everybody got so much good advice from you and you were able to give so much and such from an I like this is my first experience of you and I feel like you're so like eloquent and graceful and super supportive and I think that then it's like really great that you're here and like and in community and and like on the inside of it and and kind of really coming to know that within yourself like you're not an outsider like you're you're in it <laughs> and you're wanted yeah. cute, and extremely likable and i'm really like i feel so glad to be here with you and i feel like you added so much so thanks for showing up the way you did and i feel like it was great but yeah and, and all of you like i really want to acknowledge all of you like john I know it was a big ask and and maybe a little bit weird, but you showed up so well and it was so great to be able to hear from you and what's coming up and hear your advice for everyone. And Sinead always, it's incredible. I think you have so much inside of you and so much grit. I love that John reflected it back to you and same. well, like the way you showed up to this is so impressive meeting the edge and the way you did with the vulnerability and integrity and I just can't wait to see what happens for you guys. And if you're able to lead with this uh out in the competition, I just can't imagine how it wouldn't be successful. But if you guys wanna say any final words, any goodbyes, like you guys can unmute yourself and then we're uh, down.
3: Yeah, no, this has been great. Thank
6: you. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank
2: yeah, you guys.
4: It's been, it's been great. I appreciate doing it. I still feel uncomfortable, but uh, it was super helpful for sure. And I can't wait until all my friends see it and then judge me and then I'll be concerned about what they think.
2: John, you don't, you yeah. don't have any friends. It's I
4: a it concerns me as well.
2: <laughs> uh, I appreciate you guys so much. I know it was kind of, it's, it's, uh it's all a little uncomfortable, but I think it's, uh, I feel so much better and i Yeah. So I don't care that you feel bad. (laughs) No, I'm not. It's me, me, me. No, I think this is awesome. And I'm like really hmm, looking forward to kind of the next month to kind of think on this and then figure out what we're going to bring to the table next time now that we have a little idea. And Natalie, awesome. Thank you so much for facilitating all of this and keeping us all feeling just enough uncomfortable. And that's what I like, just for everyone to feel just a bit uncomfortable. It's what I'm good at. It's like a natural talent of mine. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll speak soon.